Welcome to episode 105. Very excited to have Mandy Cole with us today. Mandy, how are you doing? I'm great, Randy. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Great to have you. You sure you know what you're getting into here? I don't, but I'm ready, or I'm as ready as I'm going to be. Uh, there you go. Well, uh, you'll, you'll find Mandy has a very impressive background, currently a partner at Stage 2 Capital. Uh, full, uh, full disclosure, I am a uh, LP as well, an investor, and uh, very happy. Certainly a great group and uh, great companies that uh, they're part of. Uh, today, our title topic is 2023 planning benchmarks you should be using for growth in the current market. So certainly a lot different than it was uh, a year ago. And uh, we have as our sponsor, Sales Bricks. Uh, they are also the CPQ sponsor of sales community. So think config price quoting. And uh, I know when I was on the operating side, Mandy, when you're on the operating side, and you know, certainly for lots of friends, you know, lots of friends, you know, getting the you know configs done take forever. Get the pricing done takes forever. Get the quotes done. Then you have the whole collection process. So. Um, Salesbricks really has an awesome niche, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more uh, later about them. And then, uh, coincidentally, full disclosure, I also invested in Salesbricks before Stage 2 got in, involved with them, but uh, I'm not, not biased at all, of course. Uh, and uh, we're also brought to you by Sales Community. So for those that are already members, thank you very much. If you are not, you can go to salescommunity.com, and um, in the upper left-hand corner, you'll see a tab where you can pay to join or you can do winter free. I'd uh, strongly recommend you do the uh, winter free one uh, as well. So Mandy lives in uh, Marin County, which is a cool outdoorsy area, uh, enjoys uh, hiking, cooking, reading, uh, her three kids, uh, 10, uh, 7, 10, and 17. And uh, we're just trading notes on a cool uh, uh, holiday uh, trip that she's going to be taking. And uh, Full disclosure, we really don't know each other that well. Uh, we met through uh, Stage 2 Capital probably in the last uh, year, year and a half, but definitely have uh, always been very impressed with her uh, materials, her reaching out for help, uh, how she helps companies. And I know for sure uh, Salesbricks really appreciates uh, the, the help that you've uh, provided there as well. And uh, speaking of which, we have a, a couple uh, intro comments that I got. So from John Fisteo, who's the Salesbricks CEO and uh, founder says, uh, we owe a lot to Mandy as she selected us to be part of the Stage 2 Capital Accelerator program. Mandy has been an amazing resource for sales bricks in many ways, including finding customers. So certainly an important one. And uh, the uh, legendary Mark Robert, longtime HubSpot exec, uh, I call him the godfather of PLG and uh, Stage 2 founder. Uh, Mark says about Mandy, she has seen the insides of more Silicon Valley tech sales teams than most people on the planet, and over the last five years has codified her observations into frameworks that help the next generation of entrepreneurs embrace modern best practices and avoid the mistakes made by their predecessors. So that's about as good as you can get. I know. Wow. <laughs> I need to put that as my line on LinkedIn. <laughs> there you go. Um, so if we uh, let's jump into questions so we can help uh, the audience uh, learn uh, from some of your incredible insights. So maybe we'll start with your professional background. Um, maybe uh, I know uh, after uh, UNC, your first job was as a sales rep at City Search. So maybe kind of start there a little bit about that first job experience and then uh, however you want to go through your professional background. Great. Yes. Um, the first job was interesting because... I didn't, like most people, I think, that got into, get into sales, 
um, you know, it's like I went to school and graduated with a sales degree or a growth degree. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And um, a friend of mine from school called me and said, hey, there's this company they just started and they're looking for people to sell. And I'm going to completely date myself here, Randy, but this is like in the late 90s, this, you know, this this thing on the internet to businesses. And so I went and for those of you that don't know what City Search is, it was like the Yelp of its time. Um, Fortunately, we got we didn't keep up with the times um, and then Yelp overtook us. But um, so it was, you know, my first job was actually selling websites to small businesses in 1997 and going door to door and trying to explain to people what the World Wide Web was. Um, and I remember also when I took this job, my dad, who I love dearly and has been a mentor to me. Um, but at that time, you know, this is when people like were first getting AOL dial up accounts. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I went and I said, hey, this is what I want to do. And he said, "What? who's going to look on the Internet for like a restaurant? I don't know that that's ever going to work, <laughs> you know. But he liked it when we went public. He made a little friends and family money. So, but that was it. It was like door to door SMB sales. Excellent, hardcore. And then what about uh, kind of your progression from there? And then from there, um, I was with City Search for five years. I was really fortunate, as I'm sure a lot of folks that are um, watching this, you know, uh, one of the things and one of the reasons why I probably stayed in tech and startups is I joined them when we were the first sales teams. They were series A company. And this is, you know, back before, you know, at the beginning of a lot of this, but, and I was able to, to grow. Um, I mean, I was mentored directly by the VP of sales, which was an amazing experience. And then was able to move out to San Francisco, open this market. Um, and then I joined a team where I opened new markets for two years. So I lived in 15 different cities in the U S opening became a manager then ran the Atlanta market by the time I was 26 so it was such an education I was I remember applying to business school at that time and I went to an interview at UCLA and she said why do you want to go to business school everyone that's applying to this school wants your job what are you doing <laughs> it's like something I just hadn't thought about and like what yeah. an amazing experience that was and you know, so from that, I think that's where I really, after City Search, I did go to Wells Fargo for five years and I was running payment processing teams because I felt like I needed to go to a company that had some structure and some frameworks. And, you know, we were a lot of, not that we didn't have some of that, but, you know, at a startup, you're, you're continuing to evolve and invent and, um, and that was long enough for me. I realized that um, a big established company isn't my passion um, and it's not probably where my skill set lie um, was. So I went back early stage, joined a company at Series A, built a sales team from zero to 60 people. Um, and we built that company from this is my new place from you know zero to 20 million, sold it to RealPage, and then from there was at Living Social um, and um, still on that Main Street Hub and then Zenefit. So all in all, I worked when I was in-house for five, directly for five founders, um, scale companies. Um, City Living Social is probably the biggest, 800 million in revenue, um, big teams. And then I had my own firm for five years before I joined stage two. But going back early stage, helping companies at C to A, because I found, again, that's my passion is I had to figure out a lot of things. In fact, that's how Mark and I met. Mark was, um, you know, early days HubSpot and I was living social. We got connected through a mutual friend 
who was like, you guys are both trying to do the same thing. Like you've got to scale these teams. And there was really nothing out there then to help you and resources. And so um, we would bounce things off each other. Um, and, you know, but all the things that I learned then and have, after doing it several times are where I feel like, you know, helping businesses that are trying to, to, to initially scale, if I can help them avoid a lot of the mistakes I made in-house, then that's a win for everybody. Yeah, that's great. So certainly uh, lots of great experiences, I'm sure, to uh, stage two and uh, th- those companies. So the I think the, the funds I've uh, invested in, I think there's a $80 million fund two that was 2020 or so, and then recently closed a fund three, which is $150 million. So certainly impressive there. Uh, maybe tell us about some of your work uh, with, with Stage 2. Kind of what do you do? Yeah. So it's interesting. A couple of things that are unique about Stage 2, um, because we are a go-to-market focused firm, we um, the fund, as you mentioned, Randy, um, and I know you know this, um, is not just a lot of funds are um, – are backed by a lot of institutional investors. And we certainly do have an institutional investor. MIT is our um, institutional, but over half the fund is from go-to-market executives, um, which is such a amazing resource to have. Um, It's one of the, it's probably the thing that companies, when we talk to them are most excited about because they know that they need help. I mean, the companies that we're talking to that are the right fit for us anyway are like, great, I now need to scale this. And um, I'm a product guy. I'm a tech guy. I don't know anything about go-to-market, but I right. see all these people on your site that have done amazing things. And if I can tap into those resources. And so um, we're so fortunate that our LPs, um, we can um, have that resource and that you know, folks like you, Randy, are able to from a network to hire to just jumping on a call with a founder to even being advisors and a lot of cases customers. Um, it's been, um, it's such a unique resource. Um, so that's one thing that's exciting um, about what we do. The second is in, in our partnership, we have six partners and we're half and half. So half of the partners come from a traditional investing background. The other half of us, um, Mark, myself and Liz come from go to market. So we were in-house operators and in many cases when founders are again, talking to funds, trying to figure out who's the right person, um, you know, investor partner to have on their cap table, they, um, there's a lot of funds that are one or the other and they have to choose. And with us, they get both an investor because we work as a team. So Ani, my partner and I work together with our portfolio companies. And so now what we do is everything from, you know, we have, you know, several conversations a week with brand new companies. Um, so we're both actively talking to companies who are investing or even not investing yet. Um, but, you know, to diligence and bring into the um, potentially bring it as a portfolio company. And then on the flip side of that, we also work with our portfolio companies. So once we do invest in a company where a lot of the frameworks that we're sharing publicly, we actually, we actively work with them to implement. We do a bottoms up model, get a realistic plan in place, you know, figure out what your leading indicators are that we're going to focus on measuring for unit economics and retention. And that's how we can measure the health of the business monthly. We help them set up their monthly reporting. We help them with, identifying their team and the key roles that they need. We help them hire those roles. And then we help, I mean, we've been really busy this month doing 2023 planning. Um, in some cases, we actually built bottoms up models for our companies. So it's, um, you know, 
And then as they're continuing to, you know, once we get some of those in place, as they continue to evolve and they do have specific questions, that's when we can leverage folks like you and our LP network to say, well, let's go get three people that have been doing that and they can share their insight with you. Great. And uh, we have from Vincent Paul a nice comment. This is already getting insightful. What a journey, Mandy. So uh, for those that are watching or listening, you can obviously see or hear us. We cannot see or hear you. But if you like to post any comments or questions, we definitely encourage it. And we've got uh, Tucker behind the scenes who always uh, does a great, great job helping there. And then uh, another facet of stage two then is the accelerator fund, which helps goes after helping you know, much earlier uh, stage companies uh, from a profile perspective. So maybe use uh, Salesbricks as an example, kind of, you know, maybe, you know, how'd you find out about them? Why do you like them? You know, how, how do you help? Yeah, great question. So with our accelerator, um, that the reason we started that is we do get um, a lot of companies approach us either from our relationships with other funds, directly from our sites, certainly our LPs are out talking to folks, but they're just too early for us. They just got a product in market. Um, they don't really have any traction yet, but they still have a lot of the same questions of, you know, what is, what's, should, who should my first hire be? What is the profile of that person? How do I create a demand gen channel? What's the right demand gen channel for me? Um, so, so we created the accelerator so that we could um, help companies that were early stage, earlier stage than we normally work with um, and start to get, and give them access to a lot of the same content that we give um, our that we work with our um, portfolio companies on in the stage two fund. Um, so it's a pretty intensive program. It's 10 weeks each week. We focus on um, a different topic. They do have a coach that's with them from the accelerator fund. So the accelerator fund, the investors that are investing in that also get actively involved with those companies, not only through the accelerator, but even post accelerator, they've got a coach that works with them the whole time. They get mentors, um, with the program, not only is there a class either taught by me, Mark, or Liz each week, there's frameworks that they're given, they work with their mentor, and then we also have LP fireside chats from um, our LPs in stage two on that same topic. So they come out of that class with a full-on go-to-market strategy, a plan. I mean, we're talking from identifying your ICP to building a bottoms-up model to having you know, all of the tools that they need to now focus. Um, and then the last day they do get to um, share their plan, their go-to-market strategy. Um, it's our version of a demo day to, I think, um, in this in our first one this past year, we had over 40 different investors attend that. So, um, so that's part of it too, is just giving them exposure um, to those other investor potential partners. Great. Win-win all around the company, stage two and uh your other uh, uh, venture capital friends. So speaking of uh, 2023 planning, so our title topic is 2023 planning benchmarks you should be using for growth in the current market. So uh, maybe tell us more about that. Yes. <laughs> so again, yes. What we've brief, been just high level brief. We can't get too deep. Dear, dear. I think the biggest thing, and I, you, I know you've seen this too, Randy, is just what a difference from last year, right? I feel like when planning last year, so much of it was just growth. There wasn't as much focus on, you know, the efficiency of that, right? Like what really is my CAC payback? How much am I spending on sales and marketing as a percentage of my revenue? Um, you know, where, how much runways do I have left? Because at that time, I mean, 
you could raise money. Money was almost free, right? So nobody really cared about how much runway they had left. It was more about top line growth. Um, And especially if you thought you could just show over time that that was going to even out, like it didn't matter that you were spending maybe 50% of your sales and marketing um, to get that dollar. People were doing it. And now, um, given the the economy, what we've really seen is um, the, from an investor perspective, we're much more focused on efficiency, right? We want to see that people are being smart about their growth, that they're focused first on, you know, how do I make my current customers successful and make sure I'm growing them versus just throwing more into the portfolio or into their customer base. So looking at, you know, their net revenue retention, um, are they spending their money efficiently that they're not spending more than 30% on sales and marketing um, to bring in that revenue. So things like that are really very much a focus um, when we're looking at folks' plans this year. Oh, great. And then I think you've got a link that you can share with us uh, maybe after that has kind of a, b- a bunch of that as well, correct? Yes. Yeah, so to help our portfolio companies, we put together um, a because we found that they um, sometimes it people are having a little bit of a challenge thinking about like, where do I want to end the year? And then let me use my model to make sure that that works. And then let me think through what are the key things I need to measure to keep on track. We have a go-to-market plan overview PowerPoint that is a template that they were able to go in and fill and help them through that. Um, So um, we're going to be releasing it out later this week, but I'm going to share it with this community first. Awesome. Great. And then that's also maybe a precursor to a book. Maybe you said you're working on. Um, well, yeah. So my, um, I also teach a class called the Definitive Guide to Revenue Leadership with my co-coach Pete Crosby, um, who's a legend in the UK, and has you know a four-time um, exit go-to-market leader. And so out of our class, because we've gotten such great feedback, I think we've taught it three times now. <laughs> we're creating it into more of an actionable book um, and very much using both um, the frameworks that we both have created, but also stories of other go-to-market leaders. Um, that's one of the things that we found is that people are, um, I know that's one thing that's helped me and um, yeah. you know, exactly what you said is learning, having people share like, Hey, this is what I did, or this is what I wish I'd done even. 